Welcome to Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the first series, which marks the end of this season. It's been an incredible journey so far and I'd be lying if I said it wasn't nerve-wracking to begin with, but I'm so glad that I pushed through those fears and put this out into the world. I'm so grateful for everyone who's listened and I hope that you found the interviews with the incredible women inspirational. So this week I chat to Kate Ferris who is a marketing coach and we chat about Kate choosing to become self-employed, the benefits of coaching, content creation and growing your business soulfully. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm going to take a few weeks break and then I'll be back towards the end of November with season two. And now over to Kate. Hi Kate! Hi Anna, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Warm. It's really warm for October. <laughs> I know, yeah. I was just outside actually and it's um it's very nice. Ooh. Like, really sunny, there's no clouds in the sky. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um so why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself um and what it is that you do? Sure. Um, So I'm Kate. I am also known as Simple and Season online. And I am a creative business coach, but really focusing on the marketing end of the spectrum. So I work with people one-on-one in their businesses, but also through courses to really just help them kind of grow their businesses in the way that feels true to them so my style of marketing is very much slow organic not doing things because you think you should and doing things because they feel right to you Mm. yeah I think it's quite important actually I think it's easy to get swept up in all of the all the stuff that you sign up to through newsletters oh, God, and stuff yeah. and you've got to be doing this and you've got this challenge and that you know and you've got to be doing all these different things and it's it can be overwhelming and to the point where you probably end up doing nothing because it all seems a bit too much yeah absolutely that that's the point at which I always work with people really is that they say oh I I feel like I should be doing this and I read this and I listened to this podcast and it told me to do that and I just none of it feels right so I've not been doing it so it doesn't matter if it's the big thing you should be doing if you're not doing it then it obviously doesn't work so just find something else to do (laughs) yeah yeah I think sometimes starting small as well is is quite a nice way to break yourself into it especially if it's a new business that you're trying to market and stuff um so when did you start your business um and then what did that look like right there's like a long medium and short version yeah. of this story a, a, a bit of a story I, I think I've heard it before but just in case obviously <laughs> some of the listeners aren't familiar yeah sure um so I was a marketing manager in-house marketing manager at a furniture company um and one thing led to another I was kind of not really 100% happy in that job but didn't really know what I was going to do um and then my other half who was a chef we went on holiday to Snowdonia he had a job interview at a hotel here got the job and so we moved 200 miles to North Wales to kind of start again because it was an opportunity for me to do something on my own but I didn't know exactly what that was going to be um so I had a three-month notice period which I spent basically trying to figure out 
what I was going to do. Um, so I initially assumed that I would just do some freelance marketing stuff because that seemed the most obviously monetizable yeah. way of working. Um, but what the people I really wanted to help were the people I was meeting on Instagram who had little businesses and I could kind of see them doing weird marketing stuff that mm. I was pretty sure what they were doing and they weren't really sure what they're doing and I knew that was where I could really provide the most value um but then I realized well these people don't want somebody to come in and do their marketing for them because this is their business baby they want to still have control they just need some help and direction into knowing actually what to be doing so that's really how the idea of coaching came about because it kind of fitted better with my natural strengths and what I'm good at I'm actually mm. not very good at well I'm not not good at, at doing marketing but that's just not I'm not how I'm motivated I'm much more like to have the conversations and the, do the planning rather than doing the doing um so that all kind of mixed together and it came out at the end as doing coaching and so yeah I've been doing that for just over a year now um so yeah, still relatively new business, I suppose. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like it's been about a hundred years, but well, know. it's funny, but because I think for anyone who will go to follow you now or have just come across you, they will think that you are well established, kind of a few years in at least. Um, I think that's the impression you give. So, it's yeah, all, I guess that's all the yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. It's it's great because obviously you you create lots of content and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah there's plenty to see I guess online so it gives that impression that you've been going for a long time which is good though you've talked about obviously people doing their own marketing and so you advise them um with regards to how they can plan and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. more more of the strategy really as opposed to actually like you say the doing um I feel like particularly for small businesses I think that's really beneficial because they are like you say they're still in control and they can put that personal touch um into that yeah well that's kind of how I realized it is that I was putting this business together and realized well I don't want some randomer coming in and taking off all my social media and doing that for me but I'd quite like to talk to somebody about it and and that's kind of how I realized was that oh so people who have a business that they're doing because they want a certain lifestyle and they want more of a work-life meld together um it's all about being able to do it themselves and that kind of almost empowerment I feel like as women running businesses it's quite a political act um to kind of remove yourself from the patriarchal systems Mm. of the workplace and to completely take it all on yourself um and so I wanted to support people to do that rather than as I say kind of swoop in and be like oh just do all your social media and but in six months time you're no further ahead in terms of your own personal development because you've not been doing it yeah and you've not really learned anything obviously because you've outsourced it so yeah yeah um would you say most of your clients are women or is there a kind of a mix yes there have been three men <laughs> but two of which came in a partnership with their wives okay so, <laughs> so just um, the one man on his own yeah essentially one man and I think um through courses and ev- and coaching over the last year I counted it up there's been about a hundred so 
one within a hundred gives you kind of the the ratios okay. there of <laughs> men to women. That's fair enough. Um, and going back a little bit to those months when you handed your notice in and you had three months to work and figure out what it was that you were going to do, was there any form of kind of like panic um, as you were planning to leave and essentially move? It's funny because there wasn't really. And I think it's because um, during that time, Dan, my partner, he'd already moved up and I was kind of stuck there doing this three-month notice period living at my parents. And so my main emotion during that time was more impatience than anything. Mm. Um and I think I kind of had this weird sort of in feeling of inevitability about it because at the time I must have had about 4,000 Instagram followers and I remember being like, oh, I've got 4,000 Instagram followers. Like, even if 10% of those book me, I'm already fully booked. And so I kind of just didn't realise that it would be a lot more work than yeah. So in those three months, I was like, oh, yeah, this is all great. And oh, yeah, people are going to be really into it and had was like kind of blinded with this belief. And then actually, after I left my job, um, moved up here and then there was like nothing for another three months, like no inquiries. I was creating all this content and just kind of getting nothing back. And that was the that was when the panic set in mm. <laughs> more so um and I was working with Jen Carrington at the time who is a creative coach and um she had to talk me down from the ledge of like I'm just gonna sell a 10 pound ebook quite <laughs> 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 like a few times um because yeah the panic does set in but actually it's during those periods that you have to really condense in on what you're doing and just really sit in that space and own it through your content and what you're doing because by the time somebody does find you you want it to be as clear as absolutely possible what you do and so that they can then if they find you for the first time, which is actually what happened with me, somebody who hadn't followed me beforehand just found me out of the blue on a Google search, I think. Um, and so if you're really embodying that space you want to be known for, when those people find you, it's already clear what you do, clear that they can trust you and they're much more ready to buy than they would be if you were kind of going off doing your £10 ebooks and doing a bit of freelancing over here and, and that kind of thing. And not really concentrating on the main kind of service, I guess, that you wanted to provide. Exactly, yeah. 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 But, and like you said earlier about being really simple, when you're starting out, that is the temptation is to go, well, I'm just going to do a little bit of everything. everything. I have mm-hmm. 20 different services, but actually that doesn't help people to get it and it I actually yes yeah, so I when I put my website live the first time I think I had 12 different services on it but by the time I booked a client I had two so I'd whittled it all the way down got rid of loads of freelance stuff and just these are my two services and then suddenly it was easy for people to understand who I was and what I did yeah I think I've found the same with in my business is that the more options you have the more confusing it is the less yeah kind of clarity there is so people may then go away and think about it and you know not not really knowing whether the product's for them really yeah Uh, absolutely yeah tell me a little bit about 
how did you, so when did you decide to work with a coach how did that process look like this was way before all of that so this was um back at the beginning of 2017 so um I was in my job and was getting the kind of first stirrings of not really being happy, knowing I wanted to make a change. I had the blog. The blog must have been about six months old at that time. And knowing that I wanted to do something with it. But I also knew myself well enough to know that I would need some accountability (laughs) in order to do that because um, I just need accountability to do everything in my life. Um, And so that's really why I chose to invest in that because I did have some disposable income because I was still working mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of a commitment to myself to start making something happen. That's interesting isn't it that we need that commitment like you say you've obviously invested in it financially so then you felt like you yeah. could yeah you, you had to really make it work. Yeah and I think that we we try to muddle through things with free resources and freebies here and there and blog posts and podcasts but actually the structure of the structure of having calls with a coach and also the investment financially and in your time it just makes things happen and that's what this the coaching relationship really is for and and I work with a lot of people and that is the reason that they work with me is because they want to have to check in every two weeks and to have done the work that we've set in between yeah. time because yeah. otherwise it just wouldn't happen for people well it's easy to get out of it if you haven't got anyone else checking true in. yeah you know you yeah. can just say well I'll do it next week because I'll have more time next week mm-hmm. yeah yeah no that's Absolutely. really interesting I'm at a stage where I feel like I could really benefit from having a coach so that's something that's why I'm kind of asking all the questions as well because, <laughs> um yeah it's definitely something that I've kind of considered uh, for a while now and I feel like I just need to go for it at some point. Yeah, it's 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 a really tricky one because it's hard to look exactly at the ROI. And, and for me, on the other side, I spend not a lot of time, but I do spend time thinking like, am I really providing the value? Am I really giving this? But then what people tell me is that actually just I know. I know I've got a call with you so it makes me do stuff mm-hmm. and I I feel better about myself having talked it out and I mean they could talk it out with anyone you could talk it out with your husband or a friend but they don't it's not quite the same is yeah it? they don't have to get it no exactly and they do generally have to tell you your ideas are wonderful and great and you can't really trust what they're saying exactly back. yeah no they've got to <laughs> they've got to be supportive and yeah like you say kind of positive up to a point and they don't want to hurt your feelings and all the rest of it so yeah then I think the relationship with a coach is a completely different kind of thing altogether absolutely and there, there's a real big spectrum with coaching um so I can't always say that I'm much more at the mentor end of the spectrum mm-hmm. so um traditional coaching like if you were to get a life coach or a I don't know something else coach um which is much more near the very coachy almost verging on therapist kind of um type of coach and that's all about holding space so if you go into a session with a like a trained coach like that they'll always ask what do you want to talk about and you're just 
talk about that and they'll basically sit in silence and ask your question whereas as I say I'm much more at the other end of the spectrum where I'm I have a process that I am moving people through and I'm kind of keeping an eye on making sure that they're making the progress they want to make and so if you are thinking about getting some support and accountability that's just something to think about and to explore is that there is no one set mold you're going to get with a coach to really think about what you want to achieve through that relationship and the kind of person that you want to be talking to and the conversations that you want to be having yeah no there's definitely from kind of all the coaches that I follow on Instagram and stuff there's a very there's a yeah it's a variety of of different styles isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, very much so yeah definitely and how long did you have the coaching for was it like a period of three months or how did it work well it was technically six months but um, I think (laughs) I pushed it on a little bit more because um, while I was in that weird three-month period of still working my notice I wasn't doing a lot so there wasn't actually a lot to talk about so I think I took like a couple of months break in the middle of it almost so it was probably eight months or so end to end but I think we had 12 calls or something like that mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk about content uh, and I know that it's something really important uh, when it comes to well running any business actually uh, what would you say are your kind of do's and don'ts of creating content in general mm, yeah I am such a huge believer in content I absolutely have built my business on content and specifically my blog um so with creating content so it's important to think about where all your content is because is it instagram is it pinterest is it blog is it podcast is it video is it going where is it going um and the big do is to really focus on what you're trying to say so very often when people start with blogging is there's everything in the whole world Mm. to talk about Mm. um so refining that down and giving yourself some boundaries around what that you talk about is really important because that all those options is really paralyzing so if you really focus in on what is on brand for you and give yourself a few categories and you only talk about things in those categories and that makes sure that you're always on brand um another big do is to make sure that you have a specific job for each piece of content that you create because it's very easy to go oh my god I've got to get a blog post up I'll just stick this up or the same with Instagram posts which is probably a better example because we all just go I'll just stick this up we we do that quite often (laughs) yeah but actually um it's thinking about it as a part of the whole ecosystem of your marketing and of your brand and that every piece of content needs to be doing a job and again with Instagram what happens is it's very easy to see that as the end of the path for people so I've created this picture I've put it up and it's got however many likes the end Mm -hmm. whereas actually that's not doing anything for your business so you've really got to think about it in terms of okay so if I put this post up and it's going to get lots of likes but what do I actually want it to do for my business well it's going to be promoting a blog post so what I want to be doing is encouraging people over to go and read the blog post or I want them to be engaging with the concepts of the 
blog post through the caption so they go and read it um so it's really thinking about where each piece of content sits in the kind of the journey of your customer through your brand and being clear before you sit down to create anything of what is the job this piece of content is going to do so if it's a blog post um is this a blog post that you want to be really showing up for one of your keywords and it's going to get new people finding you through google search um and that's the job that that blog post does or is it more of a kind of personal brand blog post where you want people to be connecting with you um maybe signing up to your email list off the back of it and maybe it's a little bit more personal less keywordy in that case so it's not all content is the same and there's not just like set rules for everything and it's really thinking about what is the job this content is doing and how can I create it so that it's best place to do that job yeah no I think it's quite easy to get carried away and just post on Instagram I mean I do that quite a bit uh, with my wedding photography account um, where I just post a pretty photo um, not much of a caption and that's that that's it's that's it it's done mm. and, and like you say it doesn't really do anything for my business because there is no end goal um so that yeah that's something I definitely need to have a think about <laughs> yeah and I think and we shouldn't feel too bad about it because Instagram is very cleverly designed for us to think like that we mm. think of it as being that end point whereas actually it's a thoroughfare through to your business it's a way for people to find you it's a way for people to engage with you but ultimately it's a way to move them over to your website or your shop or or whatever it is um so kind of keeping that in mind is really important and we all slip we all start looking at the follower number and be like i want it to be bigger um but you've just got to keep that mindset of like what is this doing for my business this is just a tool this isn't the end point I need to be moving people through. Yeah, no, um, I think the follower count and number of likes that you get on each photo, it can really, people do get fixated on it quite a bit to the point where, ah, yeah. oh, this post didn't get much engagement. Can you please like post it in the stories? Can you please go and have a look and, and you know, show, show it some love? But it, I guess it, it doesn't lead anywhere after that. Like you say, it, it doesn't really take you anywhere further. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask though, obviously your following on Instagram is a a decent size, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get to that point? Not that that is everything, like we've just said, because I do think that it's important (laughs) to point out that uh, for those with um, kind of smaller numbers, it doesn't necessarily, you know, translate into, uh, you know, more clients and stuff. So yeah, it's not as straightforward as that. Yeah, it's a funny one because I always think that that number is completely an ego metric. And actually, in some ways, that's fine if it, like, as long as, like, not your whole self esteem is based on what that number is. But it's quite, it's always nice when it ticks over an extra hundred or whatever. Um, But unless the people that each of those numbers represent are doing something, it's literally pointless. It's the most pointless number on Instagram. Um, So just remember that. (laughs) Um, And it's funny, I was interviewed by a friend of mine for her blog when I hit 10K and she said about how how do you grow? How are you going to continue growing? 
and actually I'm at a point now where I don't want to I don't want to grow on a deepen I want to increase my engagement rather mm. than increase my following and actually what's funny is another friend of mine and I have been talking about this over the last couple of months because neither of us have been focused on growth we've been focused on deepening those connections increasing that engagement focusing on the content and we've grown in spite of that um so I think it's very easy to fixate on growth and to do all the things that people tell you to do again about how to go on Instagram but actually simplifying it all down it's about content and it's about connection so posting the very best content that you can and I I put this on stories the other day that I'd taken a photo and it wasn't it was a, a really nice photo but it just wasn't quite right there was was, yeah there was something I wasn't sure about with it the light wasn't right the angles weren't right so I just didn't post because I I know that that would have been pointless because it wouldn't have got the engagement it wouldn't have done a job for my business Mm. so I wait until I've got content I know is going to do the job I want it to do um and then also connection so when I was growing my account initially and it grew very fast last year um it was about spending time engaging. And I mean, when you see those big accounts that you see, that's all they're doing all day long is commenting, replying to their comments, sending DMs, replying to DMs, liking all that stuff. That's what they're doing all day long. So if your business isn't Instagram, i.e. you're not an influencer, you are have another business, that's just not the best use of your time, never will be. So it's finding time in your schedule in your week to carve out some time to be engaging but just kind of keeping keeping a lid on it so that it doesn't become your full-time job is engaging on Instagram because actually in terms of if you have an hour of time there are probably better things to be doing with that hour of time um so it's fine kind of doing like maybe an hour a day which is what I tend to do um but if you're spending like six hours a day on it don't do that (laughs) yeah that's definitely excessive and like you say I think you've got to have some boundaries haven't you um with that time because it can quickly add up actually well this is the way that Instagram works Instagram is an app that demands your time it's not something like Pinterest where you can kind of like stick one up and it start to snowball on its own Instagram demands your time you need to be spending time there to grow in an astronomical way so it's really just weighing up what's more important having increased follower or making more number uh, making more money um because it, you can't have both it mm. does have to be one or the other and as i say the less you focus on growth the more that you tend to grow because you're just creating great content you're being very genuine on the app you're engaging authentically and that is what starts to build. And the more value you provide, the more shares that you get. Um, and that's another point, actually, is I did some very unscientific research about, <laughs> I, I asked like five people, um, about how they start to find new people on Instagram. And actually, a lot of people are saying they're not finding people in the app anymore. They're finding them through like hearing them on a podcast or seeing somebody recommend them or talking to a friend and that's how a lot of discovery is happening on Instagram at the moment so actually looking at other places to put yourself rather than kind of hammering into the hashtags every day it's just actually being part of the ecosystem of the person you want to be finding you 
that's interesting actually because that is true for myself as well that the people that I've started recently have started to follow recently um, have all come from either somebody else's podcast or somebody else has mentioned them in their post uh, or stories even so actually yeah that's a very good point so it is about kind of reaching out to whether other users as well I guess yeah yeah and look at your own behavior because mm. as you've just said <laughs> you've realized yeah. oh yeah this is how I find people so just I think we disconnect and we th- we think, oh, what would this person want? What are people doing? And it's all a big mystery. Well, actually starting with ourselves is a very good starting point. Being like, well, how am I finding people at the moment? Oh, through podcasts. Well, maybe I'm not the only unique person in the world who's doing that. Yeah. Um, and starting to think of it like that as a starting point. Mm, no, that's a very good point. Um, so for those who are just starting out, what would you say would be the first thing that they should be doing with regards to marketing? Oh, <laughs> very first thing. So the very first thing you should do is get really clear on who it is that you want to be selling to and serving and then working out where they are. I can't tell you, oh, start on Instagram or start over here mm-hmm. because it it's all about the person specifically that you want to be selling to. Because if I was to say, oh, get an Instagram account, but actually all of your customers are on Facebook, then that would be really rubbish advice so um think about who that person is and where they are and then that's where your marketing strategy can roll from because if you know what podcasts they're listening to you know where to pitch yourself if you know what social media they're scrolling again you be there um when you know what their challenges and goals and what's holding them back is that helps you create content that speaks to them so when they're scrolling and they see your blog post title they think oh my god that's exactly my issue and they come over and click mm. it's actually a question I was going to ask so this uh, <laughs> leads on very nicely um how can we actually work out where the ideal client is so that you know we are then visible in the right places yeah it's a little bit tricky especially when starting out yeah. and like I said earlier starting with yourself is a good part place to start from very often if you are starting a new business it's because you didn't find the solution to a problem that you had so you made it yourself so if you think that you are your own target audience then start with that look at where you are uh, getting your information from excuse me look at where you are uh, hanging out online all those kind of things and start from there the only thing with that is just to kind of be a little aware that you have some internal biases and you're not going to be exactly the same yeah, of course. Uh, another place to start is thinking of somebody you know either in real life or online somebody who if they came and bought from you you would just die (laughs) they are like your absolute dream and then just kind of dig into their stuff so where are they who are they following um what kind of things do they talk about what are they interested in and kind of use that as a starting point as well um this is something that I always go through with clients and in my courses is that starting somewhere and starting with an educated guess is better than not doing this at all because the more that you go on in your business and and thinking about your audience and your customer is never a job that you tick off you're always learning more you're always um 
as you connect with them, as you actually start working with people, you start to learn more and more and that can inform this stuff. But starting with an educated guess is so much better than just going, well, I don't know, so I'll go on Instagram. Mm -hmm. No, that's so right. And I wanted to touch on newsletters. Uh, I know you're a kind of big uh, Mm -hmm. advocate of having a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Who should have one? Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Easy, Um, done. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Newsletters, well, having a mailing list, first of all, is so important because up until that point, you are relying on your person finding you, maybe following you, remembering to come to your site when they kind of have this vague recollection of something they read once whereas actually having a mailing list means that you can take control of that relationship so if they sign up you don't have to rely on them remembering you six months down the line when they're ready to buy because you've been in their inbox all this time or you've got control of that relationship so that's why it's important whether you are a product-based business or a service-based business because it allows you to take control of that relationship with your customer um in terms of what to send out, that does change based on the business. I'm very much an advocate of heavily laden value emails because for me, you really have to earn a place in my inbox. It's the only invitation only place on the internet. And so people are rightly so very protective of it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be invited into that space, you need to really show up with some good stuff because otherwise you're going to be removed from it. They're going to unsubscribe or they're just not going to open your emails. So it's thinking about what is valuable again to your people. And so maybe if you are a product-based business, it's not just here's a load of stuff you can buy. It might be talking more about, um, I don't know, if you want to have more of a personal brand, it might be talking about stuff that you've been thinking about or struggling with. Um, if it's about uh, an example I always use is, for example, if you make um, like plates and dining ware and stuff like that, then maybe you send a monthly recipe and things like that that's linked to what your customer is going to be interested in but just keeps you front of mind in their inbox. Yeah, and providing value, because I know I read uh, on your blog that you feel like that it's no, the newsletter is no place for news uh, when it comes no. to <laughs> your own news, like, oh, I'm selling this today and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always think that when you go onto somebody's site and it's like, sign up for our latest news. It's like, mm. I don't care about your news. <laughs> What's in it for me? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Um, I think we're so overwhelmed and there's so much content coming our way all the time that to then yeah. sign up to a newsletter just to find out about the new products that they have in this week is not exactly the yeah. most exciting and most perhaps useful and efficient use of your time. You need to earn that place and so this is what I try to do with my uh emails is that uh, so I send a monthly at the moment newsletter and it's I barely ever talk about stuff that I'm doing I talk I send like some resources new hashtags a challenge like a letter and all that kind of stuff and because I do that every month without fail I earn the right to kind of once every now and then send a mess send an email about my course because I've provided so much value that people are like okay fair enough you can you can sell me some stuff now yeah, of course of course I mean I think people expect it but like you say you don't want to be bombarded with every week um, because that's not really what people want 
No, exactly. No. Um, I wanted to talk about your recent post with regards to um, the course you were selling recently mm-hmm. um, and you talked about failure and all that kind yeah. of stuff. What have you learned through that whole process in the last few weeks? Yeah, interesting. Um, yes, yeah, so I, at the beginning of September, put three things on sale, one of which was a completely brand new program kind of experimental for me never done anything like it before and I was I'm still a huge believer in that program and I think it's going to be absolutely great and it's going to do it's going to fly next time all that stuff however I had expected it to sell out like twice over because I knew it was that good Mm -hmm. and then it didn't (laughs) and it and it continued to not sell and actually by the end of the month um at the time it was starting uh, I filled 50% of the spaces, um, well, just under. Um, and so for me, I learned a lot about myself last month because of that, because I definitely saw it as a failure for a long time during that month. I realized that my reaction to not living up to my own standards is to withdraw. And so I found that... I as I was not selling it, I was just not talking about it less and less, mm-hmm. um, which obviously didn't help. Um, but then I did do a post on Instagram about it where people started to say, oh, I'm really interested, but it's now's just not a good time. Oh, it's too close to Christmas. Blah, blah, blah. And that was really a turning point because up until that point, I'd withdrawn. I just thought, well, everything one thinks is a terrible idea. I'm so rubbish. I've failed, blah, blah, blah. And actually hearing people saying oh no we really really like the idea just now's not a good time was really important for me to kind of fall back in love with it um you do because you do start to doubt yourself don't you when when hmm. you don't get the response that you were looking for all of a sudden you think well actually maybe this isn't good enough or and that Hmm. doubt starts to creep in yeah and and as I was thinking about that as I kind of moved out of the like standing in the shower crying um as I moved out I wasn't crying crying but I was sad um as I kind of moved out of that and I began to look more objectively at the whole thing that I realized there is this hugely all-or-nothing view of failure and I realized that through conversations I'd had with clients they were very much about well, what if I don't sell out? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what what will people think? And it was always about that. Yeah. Um, and it and so I wrote a bit more in my newsletter last month about how actually it's because we don't see it. We only see the people who are hitting the bestseller list with their book, or they're sold out their course, or they've made a million dollars or whatever. And we don't see the in between. And as much as people spout on about oh redefine your idea of success and oh I don't have a traditional view of success they don't show the practical side of that nobody talks about the fact oh you know what I filled half of the spaces of my brand new program and actually that was a pretty good achievement and I'm quite happy with that so for me it's about making that more visible which I know is gonna take a long time and not everybody's always going to be comfortable with that but this is where it comes from this all or nothing black or white sell out or don't succeed or fail and that's just not healthy and it stops people wanting to do stuff and so I think we have to redefine 
our failures as what they are, which is a different kind of success. Yeah, and also have that conversation as you've obviously started on on, on your Instagram post uh, about how we do define failure and all the rest of it. I think it is very damaging, actually, uh, as you say, just if you don't sell out, that's the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Because yeah. it does feel that way. And I think that's something that I'm worried about. Obviously, we had the coaching call with regards to the membership uh, mm. a while back, you and me. And um, that's still something I'm working on. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> <laughs> but that doubt is definitely there. It's like, well, what if it doesn't do very well? What am I going to do then? Mm. But realistically, yeah, what's actually... the worst that can happen? You know? Yeah. And what is it that you actually need? Mm. Because, yeah, we don't we don't look at it like that. It's, it's as I say, it's sell out or nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's not nothing. Like, if you meet your minimum requirement for the membership, say, to make your money back, like, amazing. It's a brand new product. It's kind of experimental. There aren't many memberships and stuff out there like that. Uh, it's a big ask for people to take that and and this is the thing we all do and I think it's a very online thing is that we disassociate the humans from the numbers so we see the number 50 of my um, membership signups but each of those is an actual real human being who trusted you enough to invest in this thing and that is amazing and that's kind of what I put in the blog post is that like who did I think I was to belittle the people who did trust me enough to sign up for the program and did invest and like the impact that I can have on them like that's where the success should live not in the number yeah yeah no it's so very true so moving on what are your goals for the coming year well that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) um so I've been doing a lot of thinking about actually what I want my life to look like. And I think this is a virtue of being only a year into the business is that probably if you'd asked me this question this time last year, it would have been like, I just want loads of people to hire me. Um, And actually it's for me over the last year, it's learning about what my priorities are, how I work best, all those kinds of things. And so what I've realized is that I need space and time and so my goals for next year are all going to be kind of based around how I can get more of that in my life because when I've got an inbox full and I've got like jam-packed call days with clients I'm not a great Kate (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I am slightly shifting my coaching offerings so I can do less but better um, and now I'm thinking about some other options that are perhaps more passive options for people who don't have the money to invest in coaching so they can still um, get support in a more affordable way. Um, so I'm looking at all of that and kind of shifting the business model a little bit going into next year so that I can help more people but also have more time and space for me in my life. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Working for yourself is that you mm-hmm. can actually be in control of that. Um, and when something isn't working, sometimes you can, you know, make that change just to make it align with your kind of needs and wants better, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is your number one tip for those trying to either leave their nine to five or just starting their own business? Um 
It doesn't have get to be some marketing. Accountability. <laughs> it doesn't have to be marketing related. <laughs> yeah, so get some accountability if you feel you need it. Some people are very self-motivated, so don't. Um, another thing, the thing that I always say in answer to questions like this is to start before you're ready. Um, that's definitely what I wish I had done. So I spent those three months of my notice period kind of quietly working away in the background was actually if I was doing it again now I would be doing that front and center and I'd be developing my business in front of my audience helping them to feel a part of it asking their opinions so that they could get used to the idea of me being somebody they could buy from rather than just this account that they follow um so do it all out in the open start before you're ready because that three months where I wasn't selling and I was ready to sell but just wasn't, that was so difficult. So anything you can do to stop that happening and get people understanding that they can buy from you as soon as possible, even if you can't sell exactly right now, set the tone and demonstrate what people will be able to buy from you in the future so that their their mindset starts to shift. Yeah. I love that. To kind of wrap up our chat, I ask all of my guests uh, their favourite book that they would like to recommend uh, to the listeners. Yeah, this is really bad because I don't read very much. (laughs) And it's not because I don't like reading, because I really do. I'm just really bad at not reading. It's funny, but um, it's it's hard to find the time sometimes, even though like you you have the time because you watch TV or do something else instead. Yeah, I'm the same. (laughs) It's one of the things I really beat myself up about. Um, So at the moment, I'm reading uh, The Wife, which is a very short novel. I've been reading it for about six months. And in that time, (laughs) they have made and released a feature film about it. So we do need to finish it. But it is a really good book. Um, And uh, a business book, which, again, I haven't finished. But I've read about half of it. And it's really good for money mindset stuff is you are a badass at making money by Jen Sincero and if you are somebody who has some blocks around money or just feels like you aren't kind of pushing yourself where money's concerned it's a really good book for that yeah I've heard of that one quite a few times actually I need to get my hands mm-hmm. on that because it yeah it sounds good <laughs> um and who would you like to hear interviewed on the podcast Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> See, this is questions like this. I'm just kind of like can't think of any humans anymore. You've, you've gone blank. Um, yeah, always go blank. So I would like to hear. Um, this is what I always want to hear: people who can talk about like productivity, planning, little things like that. Because I am just an absolute planning fiend and always looking love to hear how people do it um and get some more ideas because i think planning is funnily enough one of those things that is so individual and some things work for some people some things work for others so i love hearing stuff about that kind of process and actually um i work with somebody who is a planning master called josephine brooks so get her on (laughs) oh nice It's funny because I feel like planning and productivity, all that kind of stuff, isn't really talked about that much. It's kind of mentioned here and there, but it's never like the main focus. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think people assume that people can plan, but actually, 
people I, I get so many questions about planning yeah 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 okay and lastly where can people find you oh yes uh so i'm on instagram as at simple and season and then my website is simple and and they are really the only two places because i have other things but i'm just not there <laughs> um, are you on facebook um you don't really use it do you no, <laughs> no, no that's totally fine it's quite refreshing actually um yeah. i do have a page but that's because you need one to be a business account on instagram and i literally never use it i do go on um, on twitter i'm simple underscore season but again not very active over there because no, it's quite enough. depressing to be twitter <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've um i set up an account on twitter like ages and ages ago and it's just been empty for months and months because <laughs> I don't know why, but I just, I could never get on with it. But it's always something yeah, that I, I keep thinking I need to get back on, but I'm not sure. It's a lot of pressure to be hilariously witty, mm. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Too much pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. It was lovely to chat to you. No, thanks, Anna. It's been great. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'd be really grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes so that other female creatives can enjoy this podcast too.